Trying to decide whether that new game is worth your $60? Or maybe you're just wondering if an old game is worth your time. Well, you came to the right place. This is the only podcast that tries to answer the question. Should I buy it, though? Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Should I Buy It, Though? I am ready. And I am God of the God of myself. Mm. And I am sorry. And this week we are talking about my most anticipated game of 2022. God of War Ragnarok. Finally joined again by Nicholas Benetatos. Welcome back to the show. Okay, so we're... A little late, but we really, we took our time. We smelled the roses. I think all of us did just about everything there is to do in the game. Two of us earned the platinum trophy. Yeah, you both platinumed it. I am on my way there, but I've completed all of the main game and the vast majority of the side content. I'm missing a couple of, like, little errands to do, but... I stole my PS4 back from my brother so that I could play this game and then ended up getting a PS5. (laughs) So, uh, big investment. So, high expectations. I guess before we start this game, how were you guys feeling like prior to actually playing it? How were you feeling coming into it? Because I I know all of us really enjoyed God of War 2018. Yeah. Were we scared entering this one? No, I wasn't scared. I very highly anticipated this game i did i was not worried for a second you know this and elden ring were the two that i was most excited for this year haven't been elden ring yet but i think this game definitely met my expectations and probably surpassed it in some ways too it's just so hard when the first game is one of my favorites ever to make a sequel that that meets that level but you know i think did it in some ways it's not a perfect game of course neither was the first one but like i loved it (laughs) sweet so why don't we start with uh, just for those at home if you haven't played the game yet we are not going to be going into spoilers if and when we do we will sound the alarms and you will have time to turn this off and go play the game before you listen to the rest of it but let's start with like technical stuff right because this is one of the first big new generation games to come out on the ps5 i mean we've had a few but like this is one of the first couple big boys that we got so i know i played it on the ps5 palazzo you played it on the ps5 benetados i think you played it on ps4 right right i'm curious let's start with you on the ps4 how did it run for you? Because this is a very pretty game. I'm sure it's very well optimized, but I don't know. I, I, I do have some things to talk about on the PS5. All right. Yeah. So PS4, it runs very well. Obviously not at the 60 frames that you guys probably got. Oh, yes. Pretty sure I got 30. Uh, there are a couple times, however, where, yes, the frame rate dips pretty bad. Really? There was like one or two areas where like it couldn't handle too many torches being lit or something but that lasted like 20 seconds and it went away it was back to 30 so it is very consistent the whole time i feel like i still got the full experience but i don't know i was hoping to get a ps5 to play it didn't happen did on ps4 still phenomenal so you know any cheapskates out there just (laughs) anybody who doesn't have the ps5 you should still get it 
while playing it, were you ever like, man, I wish I had the PS5? Or did like it never even cross your mind? Yeah, honestly, not really. I was just hooked the whole time okay good i saw side by side comparisons of the two and like obviously the ps5 looks and feels better but the ps4 if i had played it on there i think i would have been totally happy with how it turned out how it looked and everything it, it looked really really good yeah you know still immersed i still got chills in the right moments you know i mean that's the nice thing about you know story and there's so many other creative elements that go into a game like this that you know even if you were to run it at a reduced resolution or frame rate i feel like as long as it's consistent you're still going to get that effect um so for other nick for palazzo i'm curious how was your experience on the ps5 because i will say i never had frame dips with the ps5 but i did have like little bugs and or like just weird things that like were just weird enough for me to notice to be like huh that like pulled me out of the moment just for the briefest instant like some textures were like really low resolution at, at one point in the game because everything looks so good that when something isn't perfect i was like that's weird the one that like really stuck in my mind for some reason was at one point in the game there's a cow type creature and it is eating out of a bag. It's eating like hay. But it had like that like PS2 like blurry grass texture. And it eats out of the bag. But the bag doesn't react to the cow. It just like, do you know what I'm talking about? It has no physics. Yeah. It just like picked it up and put it down. And like it did not look real. Which was just so weird because everything else in the game did look real. That I'd noticed a couple of little things like that or like... I did notice texture pop in at one point in the world. It didn't slow my game down, but I did see like, bloof, like the background come in. Did you run into any stuff like that, Nick? How was your experience? Yeah, it was very rare, but you know, I, I saw the same stuff that you did. There was pop in sometimes. I think there was one thing at one point that was like floating in midair, like an object that should not have been floating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, and it was rare, but it was, you know, noticeable where everything up until that point was like, pristine so when it happened it's like oh well that's not supposed to happen you know yeah. <laughs> it barely happened and it didn't like drag down my experience really it's not just like that's weird and not supposed to happen you know but it was fine yeah and i'm sure honestly with more patches with time all of that stuff will get resolved so people who are like maybe listening to this now and considering getting it probably half of those bugs are already gone yeah forgot one thing a couple things because i you know that they do like going through the crawl spaces or like going into a tiny like that's the hidden loading screens right yeah yes yes y yeah i actually did have moments going through those where the game actually like froze and then the tiny loading icon came in the corner oh, i don't know if it really does that you guys no 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 ps5 load times are like immediate i didn't get that at all okay so very few times where the game was like okay I, hold on we actually do need to load like stop playing <laughs> yeah and then i do actually remember one bug that kind of annoyed me it was at the very beginning there's that um dwarf he's like playing his instrument thing in the bar you're supposed to talk to him yeah the circle icon wouldn't show up, so I couldn't progress. I was just sitting there listening to this oh, guy shit. play his shit over and over, and I had to reload my game for it to work. I actually had a couple of stuff, again, very rarely, but I did have a couple of stuff like that where like, I was supposed to be able to interact with something, and I couldn't. So I would just kind of like leave and go like do a, a bonus chest or whatever, and then I'd come back and it would fix itself. Yeah, yeah, that's annoying. But yeah, that that did happen. 
none of them were game breaking for me. I don't think I ever had to reload a save. But there were times where I was like, I can't figure out what to do. And I left and I did something and then I came back and I was like, oh, I was supposed to be able to like press a button here. It just didn't let me. Yeah. But again, it happened literally, I think, once or twice in the game. Yeah. So it seems like there is at the very least, like, I mean, two things. I'm glad they've optimized it really well for PS4, it seems like. But it does seem like there is a notable benefit to playing it on the PS5 if you can swing it. I wish there was more haptic feedback integration for this game. Yes, I was actually going to talk about that. For those who might not be aware, the PS5 has, oh my, adaptive triggers is what they call it. Yeah. Where like it can add resistance and like the rumble is a, is more detailed, kind of like on the Switch or I, better than the Switch, I feel like. Uh, I've always really liked with Sony exclusives what they do to take advantage of the controller with like the lights or the microphone and all those features. This was my first and I mean only PS5 game at the moment. Um, and so it was my first time feeling adaptive triggers. So like sometimes when you go to chop through wood, all of a sudden you have to press really hard to like break through it. And that was super satisfying to me. I loved it. But I do wish they had like implemented it a little more frequently because I literally think chopping wood is the only time that gets used in the game. Oh, you felt it during those moments. You were like, oh, wow, this is a noticeable feeling that I'm getting. Yeah. So I, I did not. I, I barely got that because I'm coming from other PS5 games I've played, like Astro Bot, like Returnal, where there's like significant resistance in the triggers and the haptics are so specific. Like you could feel the different surfaces in some games where I'm like, oh, this is barely Whoa. doing anything. You know, I, I didn't feel like it was that well integrated for this game. That that's really cool. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, again, I don't have another point of reference. So coming off of like playing PC where like that kind of stuff doesn't really exist or like playing on an Xbox where it's just generic like haptic. It was like a nice touch. But I did think just because I know how powerful that technology is, I did kind of wish it was integrated more thoroughly, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the coolest um, showcase of it is in the the feeling of the haptics in Astrobot. Obviously, that's where you really get some of the surface differences, but also in games that include, like, you know, you're firing a gun. So, like, um, I think in the new Resident Evil game, they did it. Like, the resistance shown to actually pulling a trigger is there. And then in Returnal, the use of some of your special powers is different if you hold it halfway down versus if you fully depress one of the buttons. So oh. there's a lot going on there. It's like adding an extra button almost to how you're you're playing the game. It's super cool. I got to play Returnal then. Yeah, it's awesome. That sounds cool. Wow. Okay. Well... I mean, that kind of sucks, but uh, <laughs> that maybe brings me into the next area that we might want to talk about. Let's talk about, like, gameplay and mechanics. Because God of War 2018, I don't know about you guys, but for me, was such a satisfying experience. The gameplay is so smooth. Even the progression of the game, like, it has exactly what I want out of an upgrade system as far as, like, armor and weapons where, like, there's variety, but you're not messing with, like, a stupid crafting system that every game wants to add to, like, for some reason. You know, in Minecraft, it makes sense to have a crafting system, but, like, I, I'm kind of sick of them, and I love games where it's like, hey, just loot like crazy, there's no inventory weight, don't worry about it, and then when you get to the upgrade points, based on what you have, you can unlock whatever you want. And this game follows in that tradition, and I was really, really pleased 
with the way that they did not like really strip you of too many of your powers from the previous game a lot of games do that where it's like oh wow you became like god of the world and at the end of the first game so now we got to find a way to nerf you <laughs> the game doesn't nerf you all that much it, it takes away a few things and it comments on the fact of like hey where'd all your armor go uh which i thought was really funny but kind of pick up right where you left off there are a couple changes to the skill trees and they introduce a ton of new abilities like you have stuff like um you can now kind of charge up either of your weapons with elemental powers so you can freeze the axe or you can make uh, the blade start burning which adds a whole new like skill tree associated with that they eventually introduce like new modes of combat basically they even introduce uh i'm trying to like not give any spoilers uh but they even introduce like alternate options for stuff like rage which i thought really made it so that you could play the game however you wanted to and even like adapt to like oh this fight's really tough i wish i could you know change out my runes and the way my rage is working and whatever i have equipped i feel like it really makes it versatile and I found myself exploring a fair bit more in this game than I tend to. I tend to, like, pick a path and just really specialize. Um, I did end up doing that about halfway through, but early on, I tried a lot of different stuff. Uh, how'd you guys feel about the changes to the mechanics and the combat? I mean, my favorite part about it was that they didn't really change too much up. They didn't reinvent the whole wheel from the first game, you know? Like, yeah. it, it was an amazing combat system that we all loved and they carried over a lot of that stuff into this game with the upgrading and the crafting and the the weapons and the abilities that you use they just added more options and really added more levels to to what we were already given um which refined it and made it smoother i think and i think the counters were exciting enough to really use your entire arsenal for a lot of these fights which is similar to the first game my only like critique for it was that it felt like encounters were more few and far between in this game like i wanted more fights of big groups of enemies it felt like okay i I fought this nice chunk of enemies now i gotta wait a little bit before i get to the next one It, it wasn't too bad but i felt like in the first game there was more opportunities to use um fighting and weapons and stuff but totally fair other than that i I loved it i will say i feel like the game added um a lot more or at least it felt more frequent to me more like boss fight opportunities maybe not as many like you know hordes but there's a lot of uh they introduce the the equivalent of the valkyries in this game i feel like they get introduced a lot earlier on and depending on where you go to explore certain areas there's a ton of like big boss fights that are totally optional and i thought those were pretty fun yeah well the boss fights are better in this game for sure there was a lot of gimmicky boss fights in the first game like with the dragon and everything and in this one it feels a lot more traditional like a straight up fight there there's nothing too strange or gimmicky about them and that makes it more fun yeah i feel like they were um they were a lot more strategic in the way that you went around it like it felt to me almost a little elden ringy obviously not on that level yeah, but no, where it was like i totally. felt like i was learning the bosses in ways that maybe i didn't in the first game in the first game i just had my fighting style and like that was that in this one i really felt like they uh they were unique and you had to kind of find the trick to some of them yeah they're they're soulsian in that you're learning their moves and if you die once you're getting better each time and trying to figure out what they're about before you rush in and attack like that whole process yeah you're you're totally right is very dark souls like i think i feel like the 
bosses and combat are easier in this game. Yeah. But maybe it's because I'm just used to from last game. I feel like I got through it a lot easier, and I wasn't sure if that was just me having a lot more game experience under my belt since the first one or if it was a difficulty that's a good point nick did you play it on hard mode or normal both times on normal like the last game and this game okay yeah so the last game i played normal and hard this one i played just normal so far but i want to try it on hard again i was gonna say to people that played the last game and did normal mode i thought that was a totally fair mode challenging solid i felt like the hard mode of the last game was a little cheap and that enemies were just damage sponges so it just became tedious rather than difficult sure but in this game i breezed through normal mode i did not die during the main story only through some of the secret bosses if you played normal mode in the last game and thought that was you know relatively simple if not like a good difficulty i recommend doing hard for this game because that whole damage sponge thing is not really present as far as i could tell so i personally would recommend doing the hard mode of this game because i also thought it was very very easy to get through even the the big boss fights i would actually largely agree with you i do think the difficulty ramps up at a certain point but that's because i was fighting the secret bosses towards the end of the game and those were the ones that kind of gave me a, a little bit of a harder time right the big boss fights felt pretty easy even like the big culmination is like yeah like i may have made a couple of stupid moves that like brought me down but and here's like kind of my my almost counterpoint to it to like maybe you should play it the first time on normal i did not die at all during any of the like main story boss fights and i kind of like that for immersion reasons because like in the first one right like when you're fighting balder at the end i'm like when you're experiencing the story i feel like the way to do it is dying kind of sucks because it ruins like the momentum of the fight to me it it, it feels like a like a really involved cutscene, and i feel like the same in this game like i i was just so thrilled to get through it that I feel like dying would have pulled me out of the moment. So I don't know if that's something they're going for, where like they want it to feel continuous and smooth, and maybe that's why they toned it down, so that then you can come back and do it in hard mode. I don't know. There does need to be a balance. If you want just a pure cinematic, I don't want to be interrupted at all by what's going on, then yeah, like go for one of the easier difficulties. That is a totally fair way to experience it, you know? And I, I get that, because traditionally like if this were a movie it it wouldn't be interrupted he wouldn't die you know and you wouldn't do it over and over again (laughs) but i also think that wiping through some of the last couple of boss fights like i had done took away from the moment as well where it's like that wasn't even a challenge and i think yeah it would have been it would have been like a gritty fight with you know some of the other big norse gods that you're fighting with i'm not saying kratos would lose necessarily but it would be a a gritty tough battle and i didn't get that feeling i felt like oh no this was awesome and it's over already because it was too easy you know Mm -hmm. this is something Mm -hmm. lots of you and i kind of talked about this that like at least i feel like the first fight in both of these games is where they put all the effort in and is the best fight you're gonna get it's the best fight of the game the other fights are really good but the first fight in both games is always the best like jaw-dropping amazing fight i lost my mind during that first fight yeah Yeah. and then after they're still very good but you never get that 
that level again, I don't think. The final fight uh, of each of the games, there's like a little bit. But like you said, you breeze through it and you're like, that was anticlimactic. The very, very last one kind of sucks. Right. It's tough. But it helps because in both of the games, the... Without spoilers. Sorry, the, the last little little fight that you do, there's like a button press sequence that you do yeah. with, with the boy that's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, this looks awesome. But that's not because of the fight necessarily. That's just programmed into the right. game. It's a cinematic moment, but that's about it. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I'm of two minds because I agree with you and I disagree with you. It, in the sense of, I feel like maybe that's what the hard mode is there for. Because I totally think the penultimate fights of the game was good. And in this game, the very, very last fight is the one where I wish it was a little harder. But other than that, I feel like the other ones were just challenging enough. If anything, I wanted like a little bit more of a set piece out of it. Like you get with the first one. Especially the first fight in this game has a really cool, fun gimmick that it does. It's very like meta yeah. that I thought was awesome. And I wish there was a little bit more of that towards the end but it, it's not enough for it to like really be a sticking point for me yeah, yeah. i agree i think it, the, because the the difficulty is advertised as give me balance yeah. i think is the title of the normal mode yes and i want that i want the true balance of like an uninterrupted cinematic moment and the difficulty and challenge that I want through, you know, some of the video games that I play. Um, so I think the true balance comes from the hard difficulty in this game versus in the first one where the, the regular normal mode was balanced well enough, I think. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I do want to take a moment and shout out, not to get into a, a, a difficulty mode uh, argument, but I do love the accessibility that this game offers yes. in terms yes. of... The difficulties very important, but even it remind like I was banging my head against the wall at one point um, with there was one of the secret bosses that like I revisited a world I wasn't supposed to revisit yet, and I was trying to take them down, and I think I died like seven or eight times, and it was like in accessibility you can turn on mini boss checkpoints, and I was like that's really nice that they threw that in there for people who want that. Like I think giving people options to experience the game they the way they want to is great on top of i think it won an award at the game awards for accessibility i think it did which is really important right for like other stuff too for colorblindness and and all of that sort of stuff so tons of accessibility options it's great i'm really happy to see that i yeah i hope that becomes the standard actually because there's a lot of gamers that they don't get the full experience that we do and it's not their fault so yeah i'm really i really got to pat them on the back for that yeah i feel like sony has really for all of the like anti-consumer stuff that i don't like that they've been doing lately as far as like within the games themselves they always push for that because you saw it in yeah. like the last of us part two as well you see it in this game so that's that's a really good thing they're doing and and i love to see that they've made it a standard it seems which is good yeah yeah side note for for a second how do we feel about the new price of the game oh so for you it was 70 right yeah Ugh. yeah I, I had the 60 still i mean this is commentary on all ps5 games now it's just nothing we could do about it it sucks i hate it but like whatever we yeah. gotta deal with it it just it sucks that they're the first ones to do it although i did read like a, a really interesting perspective from a game developer of the fact that like games have always been 60 dollars. like even when 60 dollars was a lot more money you know 
And so it is true, especially, you know, nowadays when they put so much work into them that like kind of raising the prices is the only way to make this thing accessible sometimes, especially for smaller teams, for them to actually be able to recover, you know, the cost of investment. And Yeah, but they sell millions and like, you know, you do it right. Like GTA, you could sell the game or Skyrim. You could sell the game to the world twice or three times yeah. and make way more than your money base. I, I don't know. It, I feel like it will encourage lazy programmers because fucking someone about the U.S. They just they dick around into the last year with their developments. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I understand. Yes, they, there's so much work that goes. It's an art form. So there's so much work that goes into it that they need to be compensated for. Yes. But then there's going to be Call of Duty 47 that just copy and paste. That's true. And they're gonna to get way more money for even less work so or you could just be super giant games and make a game that's worth 60 70 dollars but sell it at 30 dollars that everyone buys and loves and has a great time with and you make that money back anyway yeah like this game i feel like it's worth the 70 which i was heavily against i mean i got it as part of a bundle so whatever but i I do agree that i feel like while for this game i'd happily fork it over yeah you're gonna get people like activision and whatever like dumping out the same garbage year after year for that increased price which we're already seeing but whatever that has nothing to do with this game in particular i guess so that was cathartic i guess (laughs) how'd you guys like the upgrade system more so than just the combat in particular like were you guys were you satisfied with with the armor and the weapons and all of that because i was over the moon with it and and i found my combination when you find what works for you and maxing out that armor all the way to level nine and doing all i felt very pleased yeah it's great there's a lot of different options different ways you can play the game it's it's awesome yes i do wish however without spoilers there are a couple of sections in this game where you may not necessarily be playing as kratos and i do wish that for the other characters in the games there were like more robust systems in place you know i didn't like it 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 didn't um great on me but the other characters never felt as good as like the classic Kratos and Boy combination. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to say, I mean, it's like one of the first things you get, like you get a couple of shields as your first option. Did you guys also use the stone shield? Cause I feel like that was the only, the stone wall shield. I feel like that was the only. Yeah. That's what I used. No, for sentimental reasons, I went with another one. Oh, don't tell me you went with the default <laughs> one. No, no, not the default because you don't start with it. Yeah. Okay. Or you do, but then it gets taken from yeah. you. So I did the stone wall one. Which I've said this years ago, like given the opportunity, players will optimize the fun out of the game. Not that, not that uh, it didn't make it less fun, but it made it e- like I basically turned the the attacks where you had to like parry yeah. or get out of the way. I just turned them into blockable attacks now with that shield to so make my life easier. <laughs> oh wait, Stonewall is the big defense one, oh. right? It's the one that. Every time you get hit, it charges up. But it also, you can keep the shield up for any yellow circle attack. Unless the shield is fully charged, then you will get um, knocked. Uh, what do you call it? The shield will get like knocked back. I Okay, I used Stonewall at the beginning of the game. But I actually ended up going with another one. And those, the attacks that you have to like break, the ones that you have to interrupt with the shield, those ended up being my favorite moments in the game because I built my character in such a way that he was able to really like take advantage of those and unload on them. Okay, yeah, yeah. So there's the there's the double blue circle, which yeah. is like you have to shield strike them. There's the red one, which is unblockable. You must dodge yes. it. And then there's the yellow one, which is you can either parry it 
or if you leave your shield up, your shield will get knocked back and you'll be exposed. So with the Stonewall shield, if it's not fully charged, if your shield isn't, if you haven't taken a whole beating, you can like tank the the yellow circle hits like their normal attacks, uh. and it makes the game kind of easier. <laughs> So I was like, oh, I might as I should go with this. I got you. No, okay, so I did not use the Stonewall shield. I used the Shatterstar shield because it increased his mobility and you could charge it up and use it as its own like attack move when you parried stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was good at parrying, so that became the most that was the best option for me. I did not use the the one that you used. Yeah, I don't think I ever parried this whole game. <laughs> no, parrying is the way to go. I actually parried so much this game. I never parried. And that's that I did not use the shield once in the first game. And in this game, like I I don't know what they did it's it was the combat design. I feel like they they stepped it up just enough that like I used everything at my disposal yeah and like you know th those double blue ring attacks like when i saw that i was like oh hell yeah you know i'd be running to like take that chance i actually blocked i dodged i sidestepped you know i used all of the weapons at our disposal even the different kinds of arrows that side characters can equip like i found myself actually taking advantage of that i feel like in harder difficulties nick you have to use pairing if you want to beat like the secret bosses and stuff because what i did to beat some of them was i kept pairing and i had armor on that if you kept on pairing and pairing uh it built up your rage meter ah. so the more you parried attacks you could just keep on using rage over and over and over again and if you had the the health restoring rage mode then you're basically invincible as long as you keep on parrying well i had some armor runes or something where i was able to like fill up the stun bar with the hyperion grapple with the chaos blades okay mm -hmm. I, I i used the same thing the rage thing i was i didn't i was like i'm just gonna keep the spartan rage it's the coolest one it was the most helpful one for me i didn't like the other rage stuff I didn't like taking away that ability. Nah, I like the healing one. You don't like seeing Kratos go fucking buck wild and like healing at the same time. Like it's such a. I do, but the damage was so minimal, it, it wasn't worth it. It didn't optimize beating the bosses I needed to beat. Really? I switched between all of them because when you get the healing one, I'm a very, you know me, like the, the story. So like same thing with the shield. I equipped one because I was like, oh, how could I not use this shit? Like I felt bad using any other shield. Same for like certain armors when it said this was made by this person for this person. I was like, sorry, you're going to be wearing that for the rest of the game. And so with when I got the healing, I was like, you know what? This kind of feels appropriate for where Kratos is at in his journey. So <laughs> I left the healing on. Um, but then I ended up trying, they give you one where instead of like multiple attacks and like healing, you get to unload on what, like with one really strong attack. And if you kill him, you heal. And I really liked that one for a little bit, but I did end up switching back to the original one for like the end bit of the game. I feel like end of the day, especially once you're maxed out, it ended up being the most effective, but there were reasons to use the others. I feel like. So you emphasize the role-playing part of role-playing game instead of the game part of role-playing game. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I get I get too like involved in it, and I'm like, well, in in Fallout Four, I never took the wedding ring off, and I never like romanced anyone because I felt bad. <laughs> no, nah, I was like, fuck Faye. This shield is better. I'm using this one. <laughs> no, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I love the animations. And it's just so cathartic when the boss give you a hard time. You just rage.
cage and you heal a little bit and you get to like relax and keep punching him over and over. Yeah. Like for me, it was like a good reset. Yeah. The invincibility frames gives you a breather. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you actually. And it's very, um, since you brought up the animations, it's another thing. I noticed like little things I really liked about the game that I was like, wow, it's like they took some of the stuff I like about some of the other games I've enjoyed the most. Like I feel like they, they really take a page out of Doom's book with the, the glory kills, basically. They're never not fun to watch. Yes, but they should have made more. That's true. Because you, depending on the enemy type, you see the same the same kind over and over. Yeah. But I do also think they introduced like a nice amount of new enemies to this game. I feel like in the first game you fight a lot of the same over and over. Yeah, yes. and you you still run into yes. that a little bit in this one. But I feel like there is a bigger mix. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Do we have any other gameplay stuff we want to talk about, like mechanics wise? <laughs> oh, oh my God! You're totally right. I. I was going to say something earlier about the playing as other characters thing. Yes. So I do agree completely with the whole I wish maybe they were decked out a little bit more with combat options. It didn't bother me too much because I don't think those moments as other characters overstayed their welcome in terms of gameplay where I'm like, if you gave me all these crazy new options, I don't know if the the time limit with them would have warranted that. Sure. Um, So that didn't bother me. But when we get into like story stuff, I will say those moments bothered the hell out of me early into the game in terms of pace. One section in particular, I think I texted Nick. I'm like, I don't know if I like this game as much as the first one. I think I know exactly what you're talking about. As soon as that moment passed and we went on with the story, I was like, oh, no, this game meets the level of the first one. I love it. It's great. But that one really tested my patience. But... Other than that, I was okay with it. Well, I think that's the perfect time to segue into story then. And again, we're still going to keep it spoiler-free now, and we'll have a spoiler section in a moment. But if you're talking about what I think you're talking about, I agree with you because I was also getting frustrated. But I think it's on purpose. It's like the game is negging you almost (laughs) to get you to frustrate you in the way it wants to frustrate you so that there's a payoff later on. I don't know if you agree with that because then I was like, oh, okay, see, now I appreciate this a lot more. I do think it's very purposeful. I just didn't appreciate it in the moment as the player, (laughs) but that's fair. I do think there was certainly reason behind doing it. It didn't frustrate me like oh, this doesn't belong in the story. How dare they do this? Not like None of that stuff. Yeah. It was just like, I am bored and I wish I wasn't. That's all it was. Okay, okay. You have to sp- explain that in the spoilers because I didn't see that. I didn't mind it, really. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it in a second. But how did we like the story? I'll, I'll come out the gate and say that like I actually really liked it, especially towards the end. Or not towards the end, but like just the journey as a whole. I ended up having some of the like strongest emotional reactions I've had in games. Not the strongest, but like it's up there. A, a lot of the story beats resonated with me. I think everything comes together really nicely. And there are some moments, especially towards the end of the game, when some things like finally happen that like i was like borderline like screaming in excitement in my chair just like the music and uh, which we we should probably at the very least bear mccreary does the music again for this game and absolutely crushes it i feel like takes a lot of the same themes and just like builds on them makes them a little bigger and i love the music but the story really hit well for me i was super invested pretty much all the way through 
I did not expect a lot of the twists that happened. I did not expect some of the routes the story take. It was a very surprising game to me in really delightful ways. Yeah, and I feel like the performances are great, especially with like a teenage Atreus, which like is a dangerous territory because teenage boys can be really annoying. I feel like the director, I can't remember his name right now. I think it's Eric something. I think did a really great job with it. How'd you guys like the story? I loved it. I cried. I'll say I cried. And the music is phenomenal once again, just like in the last game. And the voice acting was incredible. Christopher Judge, Game Award winner for his performance in this game, well-deserved. Yes. Um, I think Sonny Soljic is the kid's name, uh, the actor that plays Atreus. Yeah, knocked it out of the park in this one. He did great in the first game, but I think he just found a lot more depth in this one. Well, there was more to Atreus' story, of course, but he, he did kind of annoy me in the first game, but in this one, not the case. And then the, the lady that played uh, Freya was excellent in this game as well, just yes. all the way around. Story, voice acting, music, um, everything. And I, I think you're right. Corey Barlog did the first game, but he did not direct this one, right? I think he was like overall like game director or creative director or something, but I think his name is Eric Williams. I might be wrong but he like directed like the performances of the game okay cool okay then so music yeah it's really amazing i will say you will hear the main theme a million jillion times (laughs) but it's still good so it's fine (laughs) yeah acting is really good i will say for atreus and maybe it's a directing thing i don't know but there's times where atreus will say like a question he'd be like that's a helmet or something and it just feels like he's reading off the script or whatever i don't know if you can if you know what i mean i'm not sure i do it's like when they're out in the world and it sounds fake like a whoa what's that dad kind of a thing yeah yeah it's a wolf or like it's a symbol some kind of drawing like he'll say it like kind of canned like that oh i see yeah Yeah. but yeah that's like out in the world stuff in cutscene he's perfect he's great love him love him love all the actually all the yeah i love all the acting all the characters that the casting at first for some guys seemed i was like that's different but ended up working out really well so i was really happy with that yeah 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 for some of the bad guys like as they appear i'm like oh you're going with that but like and then i was like oh i see what you're doing and i like it like i really like it yeah it really ended up working out so before god of war went norse it was always really cool really metal you know he's killing all the gods of olympus it was really cool i just but it was like kind of juvenile. But now, first of all, it's really cool that it's a Spartan killing Norse gods now because he ran out of previous gods. So that's pretty metal. Yeah. But the fact that he have this vicious and he's love. He's a loving father, but he's it's not. He's not very emotional. It's hard for him to affectionate. Yeah, he's not the most affectionate. And you have this kid who is like loves the world. He's like happy go lucky. Yeah, yeah. He's a loving kid, and and, and the, this this relationship it made this character Kratos so that made the story more mature and it made it so intriguing so interesting to go from yeah just like juvenile story to now like a real deep engaging I I fucking love it there's reasons (laughs) and choices behind everything it's fascinating yeah I agree yeah I was telling Nick Palazzo actually after the game 
For me, I mean, one, it hit good because like father-son stories or like sibling stories tend to resonate with me. And there's both of those in this game. So I really like that. Oh, as a side note, like not even the main, well, it is part of the main story, but like it fleshes out side characters yes, in ways that like them. characters I already liked, but gives them so much more depth yeah. and like really like touched me in ways I didn't expect. But uh, I was telling Nick after I beat the game, I was like, this game is what The Last of Us Part 2 wanted to be, I feel like, in that here is a, is a really interesting story about, like, the price of revenge and, like, you know, the, the effects of our actions that tells it to you in a mature, interesting way, but doesn't, like, beat you over the head with it because it doesn't assume that the audience is stupid and is like, oh, do you get it yet? Yeah. Do you get that revenge does this to you? Like, no, <laughs> it, it, it actually, like, I feel like the game is asking the questions with you and it's like, actually, like, what is the right answer? I don't know. <laughs> and keeps it in line with what the characters would be choosing and thinking, too. Yeah. You know, I don't think it gives up the integrity of what they would be doing as well. Yeah, and, like, a lot of the characters that I thought were, you know, comedic relief, lovable comedic relief that... I enjoyed spending time with in the first game. We're very fleshed out in this one and we're dramatized also. It wasn't just for the sake of one-liners like yeah. Mamir usually would be in the first game. Like he is like fully fleshed out in this one and Brock and Sindri and all of them. They all get their like little moment in the spotlight and it's incredible. You know, usually you could give or take side quests in games, but in the past two God of War games, I highly recommend everyone tries to do all the side quests that they can. They're part of the story. Yeah, they, they are definitely part of the growth and the story of all these characters. And I, I highly recommend that yeah. you try to tackle each and every one. Yeah, like there's, um without spoilers, like there's a side quest that you run into at one point in this game that particularly teaches you a bit about Mimir's past that like 100% optional. And like later on in the game, something happens that would have had no weight if I hadn't done that side quest, you know? Yeah. Because I wouldn't have known who that person was. I also like that this game, like, canonizes having done everything in the first God of War game. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Even down to, like, the Muspelheim trial and all of the Valkyries and all of that. Like, that is referenced frequently in this game that you did all of that. So, like, if you got, like, me... I did most of the Valkyries, but I reached a point where I couldn't quite finish them, and then I never came back to it. And then I felt so bad playing this game. I was like, oh, I'm a fraud. I'm a fraud, because <laughs> they keep talking about how he freed all of them. So, yeah, definitely worth it, and definitely worth doing them as you go, I feel like, because they're made to, like, build into the story. And the game, like, tells you that frequently. Like, it'll be like, hey, you know, you have... We don't have to go there immediately right now. Why don't we try to wrap stuff up here? We don't know when we'll get the chance again. Which, like, the chance is there, but, like, it's the way... Of, it's the game's way of encouraging you to do them. And I, I really like the way it did it. And I always love the whole um, Metroidvania style of these kind of games where you unlock new things as the game progresses and then you could come back to some of those areas and find new yeah. stuff you couldn't before. It's just very satisfying. It's not a unique way of designing a game, but I always love it when it's when it's in some of these games. Yeah, And this game does it well because like I will beat my head against the wall being like, why can't I do this? And then one of the NPCs is like, oh, I don't think we have the thing we need for that yet. Oh, yeah. I appreciate that. And then you get the thing and you're like, oh my God, there were so many things like in all these worlds. I don't even remember where they were, but then the game more often than not will bring you back to those as part of the story. So you don't have to beat your head against the wall being like, oh, where was that thing? 
Like, as long as you take the time to explore again, the game's going to take you there again. Right. So I appreciated that, too. I do wish the characters would give me, like, five more seconds to figure out a puzzle. Because yes. sometimes I would be like, oh, I'm going to do this. And then it would be like, I think we should do this. And I'm like, I was doing that. Let me do it. <laughs> that ended up being a, a huge complaint. But apparently playtesting. Yeah. They should have found some kind of balance. But apparently playtesting, yeah, that's, that's why they did those. Because people were taking a long time to get through those areas. I actually think they're really helpful. I just wish they had waited a little longer before they kicked it. You know what I didn't like, though? What? I did not like how many puzzles were in this game compared to the last game. They weren't difficult at all. They were so easy, but oh my god, were there so many. And I'm like, I just want to get to the next fight. And that's what made it feel like there was so much time in between fights. Because in between them were this annoying puzzle you had to do and I'm like, I don't care. I simply don't anymore. They're not particularly clever most of the time. I think they're relatively easy to figure out. Some are annoying, like with bouncing the axe off of the purple goo to try to hit like those plants. And I'm like, come on, man. Just I see the chest. Can I just grab it and go? Yeah, I think those puzzles are mainly there for pacing, just to as a cool down in between fights, so it doesn't you don't feel exhausted fighting yeah. all the time. Um, but I, yeah, I think you're right that there might be too many. Of them. I don't know. While, while a few of them were annoying, like, I did find the axe bouncing ones to be a little cumbersome at times. Especially, they introduced a little too much complexity to it in terms of, like, oh, man, I spun this one too many times. Now I got to, like, rearrange all of this. But I don't know. I enjoyed them. I It's something I really loved about the first game, and I still enjoyed it for the most part in this game. There were a few that annoyed me, but I don't know. The, the dopamine rush of the chest, I enjoyed. So I, I wouldn't have complained about it like you don't need a puzzle to create downtime and i feel like that's the main no. reason they're there <laughs> is for downtime but <laughs> metal gear did it in a strange like in um other ways besides puzzle they have in like third when everybody talks about the ladder where he's just climbing somehow they make climbing a ladder awesome <laughs> and all he does is climb a really long ladder with music there's all that's almost saying is that there's other ways to like create the wave pacing so that you're not just sure. fighting all the time there's other ways to create downtime it doesn't need to be some half challenging puzzle yeah oh here's actually uh, uh something that carried over from the first game but i feel like it was just not as well implemented in this game the characters have a lot of fun side stories for when you're traveling but the worlds in this game felt pretty big to me like i was like oh my god i'm never going to be able to 100 percent this like particularly alfheim was just like i kept finding more and more and more stuff to do and i was like oh my god but the characters have like fun stories that i want to listen to but if you're not like on the sled or on the boat he goes we will continue this later yeah but like i'm just walking around doing puzzles and i'm like they can like still talk like please still talk to me because it would make just ever so slightly more enjoyable you know it was deceivingly big did did you guys feel that way no at first yeah it felt overwhelming but once you like went to those locations over and over again i'm like okay these aren't as big as i thought they were you could get to from place to place pretty quickly um there is a lot to do and i'm glad it had it in there but i don't think it was any bigger or smaller necessarily than the first game maybe a little bigger i actually thought that the uh the dwarf world was a little annoying to traverse because there was a lot of like get on a boat get on land get on a boat go here go left go under this little bridge back on a boat on land so that was annoying until you unlock fast travel but um 
for the most part, I think it, it was a good amount of stuff and it didn't overwhelm yeah. me too, too much. Well, that's what I'm talking about because I feel like a lot of the travel was start and stop. And so I'm like, if the if the companions would at least keep talking to me when I got off the boat, like unless we entered a fight, then like the travel wouldn't feel tedious. But because I would hear the same bit of the story every time because I was only on the boat for like 10 seconds, it made sometimes the travel feel more annoying. Yeah. And I agree with Palazzo the with the dwarf world and and Vanaheim. I had that same feeling. Yeah. Oh my. But God. yeah, I don't know a- any. I feel like that's as much detail as I can give on the story without like talking specifics. Do you guys want to touch anything else before maybe we do a vote and then do a spoiler zone afterwards? Um, I guess the last thing I want to touch on is I'm very excited for where this goes, and I will say I don't think I have an inkling as to where it could. Go. I have no clue. Um, maybe like half of an idea yeah. that I'm brainstorming, but I really don't know, which is exciting. Uh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will say, without spoiling, that what keeps you on the edge of your seat is that we, because we know already from the first game that Atreus is Loki. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we all know in the mythology that Loki's like a bad guy, kind of. A yeah. trickster. A trickster. Y- yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I find it, and that's okay. Again, to bring in Metal Gear, what made like the third game so also interesting was that you knew he was supposed to turn into a bad guy later, but you see him as such a good guy. Yeah. So that's why I found I found it very interesting that Loki. I mean, Atreus, you know, is such a good guy, but you know he's Loki, and Loki in the mythology turns kind of bad trickster. Yeah. Whatever. So I find that uh, super interesting too. But that's the thing with the whole God of War franchise, like these gods that are revered that you might look up to like a Poseidon in Greek mythology. They're all bad. They're killers. They don't care about people. They, that's like the whole point of it. So yeah. like what you know from mythology doesn't necessarily apply to the, the God of War mythology, right? You don't go through their stories. Like you're going through Atreus's since he's a young boy. Right. Yeah. And so you like, you know, he's a, and if they're trying to fit it into their mythology that he's supposed to grow up kind of evil and they, they toy with that in this story. Yeah. I think this game takes a note out of one of my favorite TV shows being Better Call Saul, which is the, in a way, kind of a prequel to Breaking Bad. And so one of the things that makes Breaking uh, Better Call Saul really interesting is that it's a character from Breaking Bad whose fate we mostly know. Yeah. Like we kind of understand where he's supposed to end up. So it takes the like the spoiler aspect out of it to a degree where it's like I know where he ends up and it's kind of tragic. And you're just watching how this character eventually ends up in that situation. And so they can really pay attention to the detail of it. But like in in Better Call Saul, there is still a little bit of the story that you you don't know exactly how it ends. And so it also teases you with that. And I think this game does that on two fronts. There is Atreus as Loki, which like we're all like, oh my god, well like where, you know, what's he gonna do? How's he gonna end up? Because yeah, you have these like preconceived notions about loki and the game also very heavily touches on prophecy right and at the end of the first game we see the mural with kratos dead in atreus's arms and so that at least for me that was like the axe over your head the entire time where it's like oh my god like in my head i'm like is he gonna kill kratos is kratos gonna die protecting him like I don't know. And I, I really like the way the game like mess, like 
yeah. frames prophecy and the way that it's yeah. like well the prophecy and like it frames it as this inevitable thing but the characters are also kind of like trying to deal with it in their own way because what do you do when you've seen your future and it's what you don't want it to be and it it really keeps you on the edge of your seat particularly like as you're nearing the climax like there, there's a lot of um from the npcs and like in the story as a whole there's a lot of like oh why don't you like savor this moment like you don't know when you're going to be able to do this again or like you don't know when you're going to be back here and it like scares you and i really feel like i'm like oh man you're right i really gotta like cherish this man <laughs> and it it, yeah, it really scared me i i it was a really fun experience that i don't feel like i've ever felt quite that way in a video game um save for maybe like towards the end of season one of the walking dead <laughs> especially if you know the mythology of ragnarok and what's supposed to actually happen yes. in the real ragnarok mythology that's true that's a good point so the how becomes super interesting for all the characters yeah yeah at least the most famous mythological characters if you you know what happens but you don't know the how and that's so uh, and that keeps you on the edge of your seat in this game. Yeah, but I think that wraps it up for me. I'm ready to vote and then talk some spoilers. Are you guys ready? Uh yeah. I'm ready. All right. So in the case of God of War Ragnarok, how do we vote? I mean, for me it's really simple. It is absolutely a buy. I I'm pretty sure this is my favorite game of the year. This definitely makes it into top 10, probably top 5 for me. I need to really sit with this to see how it compares to the first one. But for me, particularly like the climax and the story really hit me like harder than the first God of War. And like nailing the landing is, is really important for me. And so I, I really love the way this story concluded and how we got there. It was so surprising. The gameplay was so much fun. I had very, very few nitpicks with it. Yeah, I enjoyed all of it. I would even, as someone who doesn't replay games, like I would be interested in, in like playing this again at some point later on down the road, maybe on like a harder difficulty, just to see how it goes because I had that much fun with it. But this is definitely like a cherished memory for me. So absolutely buy it. $70. I would even say like if you've got cash to burn, like if you can afford it, if you've been thinking about getting one, I would go so far as to say it's worth getting the PS5 just to play this game, which is what I did. <laughs> but yeah. I was, this was the only game I was excited for the entire year. And I bought it like at the midnight as soon as it came out, downloaded it. And uh, I think I made the right decision. So without a doubt, this is a game that I would hold high, you know, not just for how deep it is, but how fun it is and the art artistically. I think it should set a standard in gaming community, and I hope it does. You, you could watch it, but you should buy it, though. Yes, agreed. Yeah, this is such an easy buy. <laughs> like, I played significantly less video games this year than I have for the past however many years. I don't have a lot of time on my hands. I think this and Stray are the only two games I played to completion beginning to end. And there's a reason for it. It's just phenomenal. You can't put it down. I just wanted to see every single moment of this game. It is definitely my game of the year. I'm going to hold out and wait till I beat Elden Ring completely to decide for sure, for sure. But for right now, it definitely is. I think this definitely should set a standard for narrative gaming specifically, that it could have all these great elements to it, both story and gameplay wise. And it doesn't just have to be walk from point A to point B to the next cutscene like some other PlayStation exclusives have been in the past. 
Um, it's just overall phenomenal. I think you should buy it, though. So in the case of God of War Ragnarok, you should buy it, though. <laughs> I can't stop humming that song at all times. You hear it all the fucking time. But it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> it is. It is really good. It's really good. Uh, okay. So, um, yeah. With, with that, if you haven't played the game yet, go play it. But we are going to sound the alarms now. <laughs> we are entering the spoiler zone. So if you want to enjoy this game, which you should, if you're even thinking about it, turn this off and go play it. Um, but we're, we're just going to talk a couple of, of moments here because I know Palazzo in particularly really wanted to discuss some stuff. So here we are. This is your final warning. Turn off the show now. Kratos dies and the world explodes. Um, how did we feel about that? Yeah. I, playing as Leprechaun McGee was really weird at first, but I got around. To I think it. I think the mini game where you were playing as Mimir just bouncing around as a head was the best part. <laughs> it was weird when Ra, the sun god from Egypt, came down and stabbed <laughs> Thor through the okay. heart. Okay. okay, wait, wait. Actually, <laughs> there was a like trashed idea I heard that um, Kratos gets with uh, Tyr, you know, the Norse god of war, and then he gets with. Um, the God of War of Egypt, I forget what he is, and that all three of them kill all the mythologies, and then they end up being the three wise men at the birth of Jesus Christ. Oh my God! <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> it's like I don't know. If- I I did hear actually. Supposedly, it's been very heavily hinted that the Egyptian mythology might be next. That's what it's looking like, and that's one of the things I wanted to talk about was like my theory for what could be next, because essentially the Norse they're done like thor's dead odin's dead like heimdall's dead it's that's done there's still lingering characters here and there but they have to move on to another mythology i think and i about the whole prophecy thing you were mentioning yes we were saved this game from what the prophecy was meant to be but i would not be surprised if that reared its ugly head back in like a future game um and we are shocked by it because they've set up now at this point atreus can be a playable character he's powerful uh they could retire kratos at some point and just make atreus the next you know protagonist yeah before they even announced this game like after the end of the first game and even after they announced it whatever like if you had asked me if i would have bet absurd amounts of money that kratos did not come out of this game alive i was fully convinced he was going to die this game so the fact that he makes it out was like shocking to me like i really like i got really emotional especially when he's telling the story to atreus like the bedtime story before ragnarok starts (laughs) and you see him like get choked up i was like oh my god Oh my god. And then like when when he blows Gallarhorn and you guys go in and you start the war, the music's playing. It was like I was so like I was screaming like ah! I was so excited, but I was like so scared. And then when I went to fight Thor, I was like, oh fuck, this is it. I thought he was gonna like I I didn't think they were gonna be able to circumvent prophecy. So the fact that they did was shocking. It was such a good decision not to kill him though. It was such a good choice because they gave him that 
that moment, that amazing, amazing moment at the end with him like hugging his sudden goodbye, and then yes. seeing the last like panel of the prophecy where he's revered by everyone and they love him as like a god of peace as opposed to a god of war, and he got choked up by it. Like giving him that moment, no matter what happens in a future yeah. game, like him getting that justified anything that happens after, even if they kill him because he got to to feel that. And I thought that was beautiful. I 100% agree, and it's it's hard to do stories about people, like, who have done terrible things. The arc of, like, real forgiveness and, like, self-forgiveness and, like, being able to accept that people love you. And to see it done so beautifully over two games, I don't know, it really hit, like, it was super, super touching in ways that, like, Brock's death... I, uh, uh, Hannah was streaming something else and I was in the background. I screamed. I was like, because <gasps> I did not see tear coming at all, at all. It came completely out of left field for me. And then, you know, the, yeah, the funeral towards the end of the game, but like the loss of him and Sindri and seeing all of that, the fear of losing Kratos and then like finally having Atreus like join with him, go through all of that. Like, I didn't think the game could get more emotional. Then Atreus leaves. Like, seeing your son leave got me good. And then him seeing the panel, I was like, oh my god, this game needs to stop, bro. It needs to stop. It was like, that that Brock moment, too, that was too much in the span of 10 seconds. I gasped when I realized that Tear was not Tear. I lost it when Brock got stabbed. And also very clever that Brock was the one to challenge him and figure out, like, you're being kind of funky right now. I thought that was an interesting choice. And the fact that, like, okay, Brock died in that moment and there wasn't a big quest to go save him was just a dreadful span of 10 seconds but also very amazing storytelling wise and what they did with Sindri up until the end of the game was like oh chilling and I don't know what they're gonna do with him in the next game either I'm just so excited I can barely think about like the whole Brock Sindri thing without like my voice getting shaky just from like thinking about it because especially the fact that like the the spirit thing him fishing him out of out of the the pool like never really gets resolved aside from like him forgiving him in the last moments but then when you go to the funeral at the end of the game like knowing that like yeah there is a confirmed afterlife like the thought of like yes he wanted to save his brother but the fact that like in reality it's a selfish action cuz he didn't save him he just didn't want to live without him right and to then know that he's like actually gone forever oh my god it is crushing in the best way possible i oh man and he is done with everyone he's fucking done favorite. Like, just even after that moment at the end of the funeral for Brock, where you're like, oh, maybe Sindri's coming around. This is his way of saying goodbye. And then immediately after just piecing out with that that cold stare that he has, it's like, oh, man, I don't even want to know what they're going to do with this character from here on out. It's like, wow. Because imagine you... you go out of your way and you help someone so much and to just have... To not even gain anything, but to lose so much from that? Yeah. I, You can't blame. Fuck. No, no, you can't. You can't. And and that's that's what hurts. And that's why I'm saying, like, compared to, like, whatever. I, 
with time, I've understood why people like The Last of Us Part Two. I stand by everything I said. I don't. I still don't like it. <laughs> but it's like it's a much better way of being like, look. Here are the consequences of your action. You hurt this guy. And instead of, like, beating you over the head with it, like, you barely even have time to process it. And, like, that sat with me so much more. Brock was my favorite, man. Yeah. Yeah. And the scene um, with the, the Lady of the Lake. Oh, yeah. Too, sucks. When, like, she can't see him. I fucking died. <laughs> uh, I forgives you. And then he just dies, bro. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, but but to go back to what Nick was alluding to earlier, you're talking about like the whole stretch where you have to go to Asgard and like you're just playing as a trace for a while, like the first no, time, right? Asgard I liked because you got to meet new characters. You met like Heimdall, which was he was amazing voice actor and all. I loved the the boss fight against him. You got to meet like the the all the I thought Thor was phenomenal. Yeah. Okay, okay, Thor. Yes. I hate Marvel's depiction of Thor, and I because this one is so much more accurate. Because Thor was a crazy motherfucker, yeah. and Thor actually dies in Ragnarok, so it makes sense that he died now. And he's a but drunk idiot. Th- he literally is, though. Yeah, and they—I love the way they took this character, who like I was afraid of, and I wanted to kill so badly. And then made me like gasp in sadness when he dies. Well, you, yeah, because he's 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 got a shitty father. Yeah, that makes him kind of like that. Yeah, and then you see like um uh with the alcoholism and all of that. Like, wow! Like I I I'm just I'm so shocked at the way they flesh out all of these characters. And Thor in particular was really compelling and to me. All the the parent child relationships for everyone too. Yes, is, is and they're all different. They're like. They're like yeah. how things could have gone for like either Kratos or Atreus had things been slightly different. And it's so interesting to see all the dynamics and, and how they change. But Thor in particular, I thought Odin at first, I was like, what the hell? But then I was like, oh, no, I really like it. I really like the like kind of kooky old man that like seems super chill being like this really vile dude. Uh-huh. It was. Yeah. It was so good. The one goofy moment, and I do you guys remember Odin's scream after the mask breaks? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you think is scarier? Because I think Thor is scary and funny, but because Odin is sneaky, it's like scarier, even though he plays as such a Mr. Rogers I, at first. I was afraid of both. I think I would still give it to Thor just because particularly they added in this game when you see the full mural that he's standing over Kratos's body. So he carries that like weight with him, right? Where every time uh, I see him, I'm like, oh shit, we're going to die. Uh, I the, the revive shit I love so much. Yes, that's what I was talking about earlier. I think Balder is still the scariest out of all the villains we've faced in the past two games. Well, really? Freya, actually. Freya for the beginning of oh this my game God. until... Obviously, she came on your side. That, would, to me, would be the scariest of all the fights. When she straight up just stabs him through the chest at the beginning of the game, I was like, what the hell, bro? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Kratos stabbed himself in the third one and lived, so I was like, eh. Yeah. He's but no, no, no. What what I was going <laughs> to say earlier was not the Asgard stuff. It was when he was in uh, Jotunheim in the Land of the Giants. Oh. Um, uh, Iron- Ironwood. Ironwood, yeah. That section where you're on the little the little animal riding through the swamp. I'm like, please, Yala. please let this be over. I like the whole part with the grandma. I thought that was interesting and giving the soul 
to the snake fun <laughs> but everything else like please i'm like just end just end i want to be kratos please you know what i actually totally agree with you i was like doing everything just for the sake of doing everything but i was eager to get out of there yeah i, I do want an action game though with like like with that kind of combat, but where I'm bug sized like that, like <laughs> grandma. Yeah. And that was the the world serpent, right? Yes. At the like when he gives the soul. Yes, to that's the snake your there. Okay. Yeah. Which I did not get like at first. It took me. I had to like revisit it because I was like, "Where did he come from?" Me too. Yeah. 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 So that's Jormungandr being born. Yes, and then he gets sent back in time during Ragnarok. Right. Yes. So. Then you look at the first game cutscene where he says Atreus looks familiar, and it's like, whoa! Yeah, <laughs> you have to. Yeah, you gotta play both games. Yeah, you really did. <laughs> like they really are part one and part two. Like they go hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hi- I hated Heimdall so much. I love him. I, I love, love Heimdall. Heimdall. <laughs> I could not stand him, and I like the fight with him was so exciting to me. Because I hated him so much, and I was so, but I was also so scared because, like, when you're in the fight, right? Like, as the player, you're like, "Oh fuck, this guy!" Like, I can't wait to kill him. But then, you know, fucking what Mimir says to you after you kill him and you're covered in blood. Like, I've never gone from like, "Yeah, fuck this guy," to like, "Oh, I feel like shit now." Like, so fast. What What did Mimir say? Because uh, while you're like choking it, because Kratos gives him the chance to like live, right? And then he has to go and yeah, kill him again. Yeah. And and uh, Mimir's like, this is not who you want to be, brother. Don't. Oh. Um, and then when when you finish killing him, because you take Gjallarhorn and write him killing Heimdall is like what officially puts you on the path to Ragnarok. Right. Like Mimir right. just makes you feel like shit about it. He's like, okay, well. Yeah. Well, I love that Atreus had to be the one to kind of teach Kratos that. You know, it doesn't have to be all about kill, kill, kill. Because he did that with the wolf in Helheim, too. Like, oh, sometimes we got to do what we got to do to survive. And then later on, he was like, oh, no, I was wrong. Sometimes you could fucking choose to to love and not to do some of those things, you know. And I thought that was a great choice, too. Yeah. That's the thing. There were so many moments, like, in all the relationships, but especially with Kratos and Atreus. And, like, Atreus being gone for so long in Asgard, like, it made me sad because I just wanted my boy back by my side. Yeah. And so when you get him back, you cherish it. Uh, and I, I feel like that was on purpose because, like, I, I loved having Freya. But, like, I, I was just missing Atreus. Like, I was so sad. I'm like, I'm 30 hours into the game and I feel like I've barely had time with the two of them together. Which I guess is also, like, representative of, like, him growing up, right? Like, yeah. your kids leaving and, like, going out on their and own. And the realization, like, it's not going to last forever, you know? Like, oh, man, this even this is going to be fleeting. Like, there's that one moment, and again, because you're expecting Kratos to die, there's that one moment where Mimir goes um, ha- to Atreus when he, when he goes with Atreus. He goes, have you ever considered that he just wants to spend what little time he has left with you? Yeah. And it just, like, oh, my God, that moment hearing kratos like say yeah like i was wrong and apologize how they promise to like keep each other's voices in their heads like it is such a like effortlessly emotional game and yeah i don't uh, like i I don't even have commentary on it i just i just need to like acknowledge it because it's so beautiful and i have um i have hannah she beat the first game and she started this game but she's still very early because we're traveling right now for the holidays and I have been dying to like talk about it with someone. So, oh man, it's just good shit. Good shit. 
And I'm that's what has me worried for like future games because clearly I don't think they're done with God of War. But I really hope that they're careful with how many more they plan to do and that they keep putting this level of care into it because I would hate to see a bad God of War game. Yeah, it can't go on forever. I think there's going to be a lot of God of Wars happening, but there's not going to be a lot that has to do with this whole Kratos Atreus storyline. I think that will wrap up nicely. But God of War, I think, may become something else. I don't know what that's going to be, but sure. this little saga will wrap up within another game or two, I think. But he is the God of War. Yeah. So I can't really... It can't go on forever, It, you know? I'm. It's the same as, like, with TV shows for me. Like, when I see a really good TV show, especially if the story's done after season one, I like... I know the instinct is to hope for more, but I always go, oh, dear God, I hope they don't make any more. Like, just leave it. Yeah. Because these are masterpieces. And I'm like, if you're going to make another, it needs to be another masterpiece, you know? And if the the day you can't make something at that level, I don't want more God of War. I think they've got a plan. I think they've got a pretty steady plan. I'm sure they do. Based on the past couple of games, I don't think it'll exceed more than what's necessary but like the brand god of war i think will maybe continue i just think the the story that we know it as kind of like metal gear survive (laughs) sure yeah maybe but um i think this this will be wrapped up in a neat bow and will be satisfied i have faith as long as Corey barlog is working on it i have faith because i you you know it's a very like personal thing to him and so i trust that he won't like send it the wrong direction I'm assuming if they're like whenever the next one comes out, I have a feeling we'll probably be playing as Atreus. Yeah, I think so. Or both, like split evenly. Which, if they flesh him out well, because that's the thing, when I played as him, like I was still doing melee most of the time because I just fleshed that out and it was just faster, you know? Yeah. It, it just felt more satisfying, which I'm like, is not what I should have been doing, I guess, like in terms of how his character is, but. Like, I, I hope they make him more satisfying to play as because then you could have a really cool moment where, like, Kratos is gone most of the game. And then, like, when he shows up, it could be this really badass moment. Like, um, like after uh, uh, Yarm escapes, when you're fighting the things and you see the spear go through uh, the Draugr's head. Like, that was such a cool moment. And I, I could see that being, like, really satisfying in, like, a third game yeah. to finally get, like, reunited with Kratos and then whatever, like, wrap up the story. But I do hope they are careful with how they go about it. And I'm sure they will be. Yeah, I don't know. Other other spoilery stuff we want to talk about before we log off? I don't think so. I think we covered a lot of it. I just, again, loved every single voice actor that lent their acting talents to this game i think obviously the the writing did a great job with that of course but um without some of the the voice talent too we wouldn't have gotten some of those quiet subtle powerful moments too you know absolutely i think that covers it for me yeah this is for sure my game of the year i love it it might surpass the first one i i need distance to judge that but i i'm in love with it and i want to talk about it all the time me too Hello, hello, listeners. It seems Nick Benitatos's mic has unplugged, so we've lost him. Uh, but we're getting ready to sign off. So, thank you all so much for listening. If uh, if you enjoyed this, let us know what you want to uh, see us play next at Should I Buy Pod uh, online. Please consider supporting the show at patreon.com slash should I buy as we enter the new year. We're looking at ways of revamping uh, the Patreon over there and making sure that there are 
lots of fun benefits, but you get access to stuff like 24-hour impressions, our Discord, all of that. So now's a good time to hop in if you want to be a part of shaping what we're going to be doing next. Um, And if you enjoy us, you enjoy our presence, you enjoy the way we chat, consider checking out our other show, Dungeons & Drimbus, our actual play D&D podcast. Uh, We are all in that, as well as other people that you've heard on the show. Uh, Current season is Your Honor, where they play as fantasy attorneys attempting to defend the monsters you would usually be slain in a D&D campaign. But that covers it for me. I hope everyone's having a lovely winter and holiday season. Uh, Thank you both for joining me. It was a pleasure to have Benetados back on. Uh, It's been a while since the three of us have gotten to talk about some games. Um, We'll talk at you real soon. Goodbye. This is me as Nick saying goodbye. Nick Benetados. Uh, goodbye. And now this is uh, Nick Plaza saying bye. Goodbye.